0: Before we get to the message, let me take a little family time here. I was thinking this this week about Genesis 41. Remember when uh, um, Joseph interpreted the dream of Pharaoh. Remember how Pharaoh had this dream about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows, and he had no idea what it meant, so I called up Joseph and said, Joseph, can you interpret this dream? Joseph said, yeah said, so you're going to have seven years of plenty in this, in this country. And then it's going to be followed by seven years of want. Lean years. That's why the skinny cows, they're going to be lean years. So here's what you need to do. You need to save up the grain, the excess of that grain, so that when those lean years come, everybody has what they need. Well, here's why I was thinking about this week. Summer started, and I'm so glad. I mean, it's so great to see some of you kind of unstring the bow, you know, get away, be able to just chill out, do some traveling, see some. That's awesome, I'm so glad. Um, But for, for the church, summertime's kind of lean, the lean year, the lean part of the year. And so I'm hoping that you'll remember, those of you who have had given, uh, have been given uh, some excess that you'll you'll pay attention and kind of make sure that you're contributing during the lean time of the year, the summertime. Um, Because that's why he gives it to us in the first place. God always gives us what we need, but enough to give someone else what they need. That's why we have a little bit more than we need. Um, um, And and that's what, that's, you know, St. Augustine used to say, he who has more than he needs, he who has more than his own, he who has, wait a minute, I'm going to come up with this. I'm not so sure I am. I just drew a blank. He has, who has more goods than he needs has another's goods. Um, um, which was to say, basically, always be thinking about how you can fill that gap. Okay, enough of that. Now let's go to the sermon. I hope I can remember this part. We're, we're on this great, and this is so much fun for me. I, I love doing this, spiritual gifts. Now, now, when I say spiritual gifts, all of our gifts are spiritual gifts. James says, every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven. They're all spiritual gifts. We've got to cut out the dividing line between the spirit and the world. Because God. Did, if it's all gods, then we've got to see God in everything. The, uh, we've said our goal is to make the spiritual more normal and the normal more spiritual. Because God is in everything. God put together, the whole whole world holds together in Jesus Christ, says that in Colossians. But there are specific named gifts of the Holy Spirit given to each of you. And that's what I wanna continue this morning. For those of you who have Christ living in you, I want you to know how God has wired you. Because there's a reason that you are like you are. Not by accident. It's not just by raising. It's, there's a reason. You were fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in your mother's womb. Your days were ordained when there was not yet as one of them. There's a plan for your life. And, and it, it means a whole lot more living that life, knowing what the plan is, than not knowing what the plan is. And a good indicator of that plan is when we understand how we are gifted by the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, the questions of God, why was I made like I am? Why have I been through what I have? Because your circumstances are not an accident either. They're not outside the limits of the providence of God. And what have I yet to do in this world that makes me stick around? I want you to know that. So I'm going to spend the rest of this particular message. There's many more of the messages coming, so don't get too anxious about getting everything precise, because with God, not everything's always precise. As a matter of fact, very few things are precise. But but let me just start unpacking this one verse. Let's see, 1 Peter 4.10. <clears throat> and as I do, I'll just read a few words and then explain what comes to mind while I think of it. 1 Peter 4.10 says as each one has received a special gift. Now as I said, if you have Christ living in you, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you have at least one gift of the Spirit in you. As each one has received a, a special gift. Let me let me tell you, I, yesterday I was uh, at an event at Lake Eola. Um, <clears throat> Tim and Marie Cup are wonderful people who had a Four-and-a-half-year-old son, Nathaniel, uh, passed away. He had a, he had a uh, disability and uh, passed away in his mama's arms. And um, and and so for the last 14 years, they've had such a heart to build a memorial for their son to the families with people who have disabilities. And so every year they have an event called Nathaniel's Hope. Uh, they also have a ministry that's that's not only uh, in this church, but it's throughout many churches in the state, throughout many churches in the nation. And they have an event in Lake Eola and, and, and they started out with like 600 people and now it's thousands. I mean, I went down there and, and, uh, and there's, there's all around, there booths, churches and ministries and it's just wonderful. And, and so they do a thing where they, they take a community leader and they pair them with a family um, with uh, that has dis- uh, uh, members that are, have disabilities, so they, they they paired me with with these two adults, uh, the fam- and and family members, uh, and I think they live in the Russell House. I'm not sure, but <clears throat> one's name was Joey. I said, "Hey, that's my name." This guy's in like in his 30s. He said, "Boy, we had an re- instant connection," and and then there's one named Matt. He's in his 40s. He's got to be in his 40s. And you could tell by his wheelchair, he just never used his legs. Um, and, and he was, he was um, coherent and verbal. And, uh, um, and so I, we, we started walking around, you know, and, and I started the conversation with these guys. And of course, on my mind, are spiritual gifts. And I know both these guys are Christians. And, and, and so I'm thinking, okay, what, what are the gifts? You know, they will, they will come out pretty soon. Can I say one more thing before I proceed? All of these are meant to be elbow sermons. You know what an elbow sermon is? That's why when you're sitting by somebody you know, you do this, that's you. That's you. Okay? When you know what a gift is, nudge it. Tell him what he is. Tell him what you see. That's you. And so we're walking around, and Joey's keeping up with me, you know, and we're having this great conversation. Matt, it, it kind of grilled me at the beginning of the walk. Do you know the Bible? I said, I sure do. He said, How often do you read the Bible? I said, Every day. He said, I read it all the time, every day. <laughs> he said, What do you know in the Bible? What have you read in the Bible? And this started grilling me, you know. Now, on our way, this is what Joey's doing. There's, it's very crowded on the sidewalks because there's just a, thousands of people down there. And Joey says, excuse me, excuse me. And he's kind of parting the way and then he'll stop until whoever's pushing Matt can catch up. And I just notice he's talking with me, that's fine, but he never loses sight of Matt. He, he's, his role is to make sure Matt is making the progress he needs to make. And I'm thinking, Joey is a shepherd. He will never lose his flock. His way is to lead his flock into green pastures. Meanwhile, Matt, with the gift of knowledge, he wants the facts. He wants the content. He wants everybody to have the content. How much content you got? I know his spiritual gift. I know Joey's spiritual gift. This is fun. So it says, 1 Peter 4, 10, each one has received a special gift, Employ it, there's an imperative there, a present imperative. That's a participle, so it's a present participle. But it means on a continual basis, watch this. And last week, this is what, this is what we, we understood. A gift isn't something you manage. A gift is something that manages you. No. A gift is someone who manages you. Because the gift inside you is not about the gift, it's about God. It's about he who resides in you, becoming manifest through you. God doesn't want you just to be recipients of his grace. He wants you to be conduits of his grace. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold. The word here is is literally various forms of the grace of God. All right? So, let's do a little review here. I said last week that this is all about relationship. It's not about mechanics. It's all about, have you noticed, have you noticed that there's certain levels of maturity, certain stages of maturity, there's a whole spectrum. And just to be, you know, kind of grossly categorical, everybody kind of starts out at this end as babies, and the most immature form of personhood that you can have just says, feed me. And we got a mess here. Somebody needs to clean it up. You know? I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't care who. You don't care what. Just take, just take care of me. All right? Now, as you get a little bit, and some, by the way, some, some people never get out of that stage. <laughs> no matter how old they are. Got a mess here. Somebody better clean it up. As you move up the spectrum of maturity, you get into, wait a minute, there's kind of, kind of a law of cause and effect in life. There's certain mechanics that, that, that are too, you know, and I've learned that if I do this with this person, this is most likely to happen. I've learned if I do this, then this is most likely. And then you, you learn how to work life, you know? So life is about how to go about what you do. It's, it's about how things operate. And that's what you're constantly, how things operate. Now, as you get a little bit more mature, what matters even more are people you love and people who love you. And it's not all about how things operate. It's all, not all about the technicalities of the relationship. It's about the person. It's about the relationship. And then you get a little bit further down the line and probably the most mature, is understanding that there is a larger relationship that operates with all of the relationships, and it's not even about your personal relationships, it's about how all of them fit together, and how interdependent you are, and how you thought you were operating everything, and now you come to find out you really weren't operating much. You were never in the kind of control you thought you were. Now let me go back here, let me tell you one of my favorite memories, because this has a point to it. I'm just taking a while to get there. One of my favorite memories is, is uh, when we were raising our kids, our three boys in Indiana, and Becky and I have just always done everything together, I keep telling you this, and it's true, she's my very best friend. We still do everything together, it's just without the kids now. But when they were little, um, and I was a pastor in Indiana, it was a, it was a fairly large congregation, and And so there were, I always had parishioners in in multiple hospitals throughout the city. And on the day when I went to visit the hospitals, you know, she would pack up all the kids and go with me. And when I went up into the room, she would stay down in the the waiting room and she'd read them books. They always had the Bible books, or they used to anyhow, in in uh, um, in in the hospital waiting rooms. And so she'd read stories to them out of the Bible and I'd come down, pack them up, go to the next hospital. Well, when she went to the store, I went with her. Pack up all the kids, go to the store. But there were times when she just needed to run in for a little milk or a little, you know, this or that. And so I'd stay with the kids in the car. This was one of those days, I remember this. and I can't remember what kind of store it was we were parked out in front of, but, but we were in the parking lot and we were kind of facing the store uh, front so that, she, so that we could see when she came out. And all of the boys, you know, had different personalities. Isaac was immediately in my lap because Isaac is the person. Person, you know, and it was all dad. What are you doing? Oh, neat sunglasses. Watch making faces at himself in the sunglasses, so on and so forth, talking to me the whole time. Joel, our youngest one, has always been full of words. He's a brilliant. He's, he's, he's a, but he was back there just talking to nobody in particular. He just needed to say stuff, you know, and he didn't care whether anybody was listening or not. Just needed to talk, you know. Joshua, our oldest one, has always been. How do things work? He's always interested in how things work. And so, when we stopped, he was immediately under the dashboard, fooling with the fuses, you know, wondering how it works. Now, it's during this time, it's during this season when I'm wondering if Josh is old enough to be interested in girls because if you're old enough to be interested in girls the parents need to have the talk you know and 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 it's usually if the dads you know needs to have the talk now you can't have the talk too soon because it would be totally grossing me out you know but you can't have it too late because at least in my in those days they would get their information from all the wrong places so there's this alert I wonder if he's noticing girls in a way that I need to have the talk. Well, he came up out from under the dashboard with a fuse, a little glass tube. He said, Dad, what's this for? I said, I have no idea. Put it back. And he turned to put it back and just glanced at the front of the store and out from the front of that store came this girl that was drop dead gorgeous. I mean little curls bouncing, little dress full, little lace on her socks. She climbed on a bike, streamers. (laughs) She had a little package and she just rode toward our car. I watched Josh. He never took his eyes off that girl. He watched her the whole way. I'm sitting there just, he's right next to me. I'm watching his eyes. He didn't even blink. He's watching her the whole way. And finally she disappears around the corner. He turned to me and he said, Dad, did you see that? I said, see what? He said, did you see that bike? I knew he had a little bit more growing up to do. You know? Because he was interested in the mechanics rather than the person. All right? It's the same way in the church. If you think, Spiritual gifts are about mechanics Then you have a little bit of grown up to do spiritually because they're always about the person, watch this, and the Lord, the personal relationship with the Lord. I know so many people get so caught up in mechanics. Sometimes doctors, you have patients that you describe in symptoms. There's a person in there. Sometimes counselors, you describe a person, in symptoms in habits in patterns there's a person in there sometimes christians you describe a person to a fault there's a person in there and so spiritual gifts have to do not only with the person but with the Lord who is resident in that person. I, I heard this story, I love this story. It's about an old preacher. I'm really becoming more and more endeared to stories about old preachers. First of all, I love getting old, you know why? Yeah, you, you all know this about old people, right? We say anything we want, we don't care. It's great, it's great. What are you gonna do, take away our social security? I don't think so. There's no threat. You know, when you get old now you just say whatever you want, you know? Well, this old preacher was like that. He just, he never, there was no screen. There was no social screen, you know? And so, and so when something came to him, he thought it was from the Lord, he just did it, you know? So he's driving down the street one day and he gets the impression from the Lord that he's supposed to stop the car, go up to this one house and knock on the door. And when he gets up there, the Lord will tell him what to say. So he did. He stopped the car, went up, went up to the house, knocked on the door. When this woman comes to the door, he, th- he has the distinct impression, he's supposed to ask her this question, does Jesus live here? So he did, he asked her the question, he said, does Jesus live here? And then he was done, he just walked away. Well, she, she was about traumatized. She went into her husband, she said, this is the weirdest, the weirdest thing just happened. He said, what? He said, there was an old guy and he just knocked on the door and he said, does Jesus live here? And her husband said this, this typical husband, well, did you tell him that sometimes we go to that church down the street down there? She said, no. Well, did you tell him that one time that they needed a Sunday school teacher, we filled in for a whole month at the church down there? She said, no. Well, did you tell him that we give money to the church down there? She said, no. He said, well, why not? And she said, because I don't think that's what he was asking. Let me ask you, does Jesus live here? That's the point of spiritual gifts. Does Jesus live here? And so, let me take just one more turn and there'll be many more about describing some of this giftedness, knowing that there are very practical advantages to knowing your spiritual gift and wiring. I can think of three just right off the bat. Number one, if you are choosing a vocation or how you volunteer your your, uh, efforts, you will be much more fulfilled and much more effective if you know your spiritual gifts and wiring. Everybody can do anything, and you should do anything that's needed, but if you're talking about a pattern of your life and how you live it, you will be much more fulfilled if you know your spiritual gifts and wiring. Number two, as you build relationships with people, you will know much better how to build those relationships so that who they are complements not with an i but with an e completes who you are so that you can be more effective together and they can call out your gifts and you can call out their gifts you will know in other words how you fit with people There are so many people who just say i have no idea how i fit with people i have no idea number three If you know your spiritual gifts and wiring, then more likely you will know how to set your schedule. This is a huge problem with so many people. You set your schedule by what is urgent or what is immediate and not by what is important. And so your schedule just gets filled up and you get so frustrated because you don't know how to prioritize. If you know your spiritual gifts and wiring you are more likely to know how to prioritize any discretionary time and how to scooch out more of your time to be discretionary because you know it's what God had planned for you and you're not just responding to the circumstances. Okay, so let me give you one way to categorize these spiritual gifts. I'll give you more later on. This is kind of a minority view. It's only about 20% of all of the literature written on spiritual gifts contains this kind of uh, breakdown, this kind of categorization, but it's useful. Uh, and I'll tell you why as we go along, um, and, and then I kinda, I'm gonna give you one more tool on how to be more sensitive to what your spiritual gift might be, okay? Okay, so let's go to the motivational gifts. This, these are in Romans. Motivational gifts are simply um, that, called that because it's why you do what you do. All right, and I told you last last week. I gave you the illustration about the the boy coming in and spilling the water, and your first response to him. All right, and there there would be some of you who would want to teach him how to hold the water better, how to not spill it. There would be some of you who would want to 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 not have him feel bad. Um, there would be some of you who would want to to um, break into commentary on young people today, Um, and so on and so forth. So you can guess which one those are, you know? If you want to teach somebody how, it's, 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 it's teaching. But the teaching is not just a technique. It's that you really want people to be instructed so that they can live their life more effectively. You care about the people, not just about the technique. Mercy, it's not just about making them feel better for the moment it's about affirming them so that they can have the kind of sustained um, 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 energy and motivation to to go on Um, um, prophecy I told that about uh, it's about it's about trying to build a better culture it's not just about criticizing one person or about young people in general it's about trying to build Uh, something better that you believe would be, and so on and so forth, okay? Okay. Second category is this. The office gifts. That is, the gifts that are likened to offices in the church. And you have apostles. Apostles are people, I'm kind of wired like this, just to give you a heads up. Apostles are people, it says apostles literally from the etymological roots, It means one cent. Apostles love to cross boundaries. Geographical boundaries, cultural boundaries, racial boundaries, um, 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 intellectual boundaries. You know, and, and they do it for this reason. Number one, they're fascinated with differences. They always want to learn how the bigger picture goes together. And number two, they want to establish the kingdom with people who are different than they are. And so the first missionaries, the still the missionary, that's, that's the Latin word for apostle, is missio, missio, one cent missionary. And so these are people who, who love it. Prophets, the people, there's a, there's a prophetic office, there was a prophetic office of the church and there still is in some churches that speak forth the word of God Doesn't care how people feel. I'll come back to that in a minute. But they just, nothing is more important than the truth that people need to hear. Evangelists. You know, there is is an office in the church of, of evangelism. By the way, all of us are supposed to do all of these with a small letter. All of us are supposed to speak forth the truth. All of us are supposed to cross boundaries, to build bridges. All of us, you know, are are supposed to tell other people the good news of Jesus Christ, which is what an evangelist does. But frankly, there are some people who are just gifted with evangelism. Um, um, And and, and, and 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 it's it's how they build the church. My brother-in-law has the gift of evangelism. You cannot be with my brother-in-law in an elevator and, and go from the first floor to the third floor and not know exactly where you stand with Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and you're not threatened by him. He, you don't, it doesn't make you nervous. You know, he'll just go into a lunch counter and say, would you pass the ketchup? Where's Jesus in your life? And, and the person will be, oh yes, here's the ketchup. And I was hoping somebody would ask me that. I mean, it's just so, I mean, it's just so what they do, you know? I, I witness to people, but my eye starts twitching and I'm trying to figure out how, how can I get the four spiritual laws book out? You know, it's just like, you know, so I, I do it from a sense of, yeah, I want you to have what I have. He does it like he breathes, you know, there are pastors who, Joey is a pastor. He's a shepherd, you know, and, and pastors are different than apostles, Apostles always need to see the next boundary, the next group of people, and so on and so forth to establish, and then they move on. Pastors just want to stay with the same group, with the same, that's their herd. They want to know every sheep. They want to know every sheep, every lamb, all right? And so and so there's pastors and then there's teachers, and, and we'll continue to to develop the you know the the people who want um, for the church to be educated and competent, but to be better by it, not more arrogant from it. So, so those are the office gifts. Now, let's skip over to the manifestation gifts. I'm going to talk about these two. These are more spectacular gifts, where where God's boom, yikes! There's God, um, and and I'll I'll talk about these. And there's a, in charismatic churches. There's a little bit. Uh, longer uh, title here. You know, it's a word of wisdom, word of faith, word word of knowledge, and so on and so forth. Um, um, But it it boils down to variations of the same dynamic. Uh, By the way, healings, I want you to see that's always plural in Scripture. No one has the gift of healing. There are just some who see more healings because they ask in faith more often the Bible says you have not because you ask not and, and so and so every healing is a separate event a separate a gift from God now, now I'll, ta- I'll teach you this I won't teach you this the, right now but I'll teach you this the the the, he, the Bible lists at least five kinds of healing not one kind of healing so we need, to, we need to understand that God heals in five ways. So anyhow, I'll teach you all that. Okay, come, come back, and, and I'm taking too long here, so come back, I, I, I put all that down, put all that down. Uh, we'll get to that later. So here's the here's tool, here's the tool. I, I told you uh, last week, okay, one indicator of how you're wired is how you respond to the need in front of you. Now here is another tool that talks not about your response and your fulfillment, but about your irritation. All of you get irritated, and and the chances are you will get more irritated, more consistently, in the area where you're gifted, all right, let me give you an example. If I were to say to you, tell me what's wrong with the church, you know? Just tell me what's wrong with the church. Some of you would say, I'll tell you what's wrong with the church. The church is totally disorganized. I mean, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. I mean, you can go to our pastor and he, you know, you'll say, did you know this and this? And he'll go, no, I didn't know, you know? And it's, and, and, and these people are doing this and these people don't know it and, and they don't even, and I, the church needs to get organized. We need to be coordinated. We need to be cooperative. Chances are you have the gift of administration. I'll tell you what's wrong with the church. People take in all of this, you know, preaching, but you never teach people actually how to apply it. You don't, people don't have enough information. You can't just throw up Bible verses. We have to be, we have to have the information of how that is operational in our life. Gifted teaching. I'll tell you what's wrong with the church. People come in every week. They have all the potential in the world. They're beat, the world beats a snot out of them. They're so discouraged. They're so, they're so frustrated. They need to be built up. They need to be motivated. They need need to know they can do this thing. Chances are you have the gift of exhortation. I'll tell you what's wrong with the church. People come in every week in pain. I don't mean discouragement. I mean pain. They can't listen to these nice little religious talks you give while they're in pain because everybody knows pain is totally consuming. All you can think about is what hurts. Bind up people's wounds. Help them to be stabilized and affirmed and loved. Then maybe they'll be able to to listen to what you're saying. Chances are you have have the gift of mercy. I'll tell you what's wrong with the church. It's you preachers. You mealy-mouthed, little, just you dance around, trying to say everything all politically correct. Afraid you're going to offend somebody. you got to preach repentance of sin. You haven't got a good sermon until somebody's sweating through their jacket. That's a good sermon right there. <laughs> Chances are you got, you're a prophet. Chances are. I'll tell you what's wrong with the church. Their people come in they they haven't even got good shoes you know they, they can't they can't even pay their they like they they can't they don't even know where they're going to be living next week they've got a mess right then they need fixed right then and they have no one to help them chances are you have the gift of helps because you care about what will personally help some person. I'll tell you what's wrong with the church. You're a bunch of holy huddlers. You come in once a week, you huddle up, go back out. The community remain, remains exactly the same. You have not had one impact on, on the world. Not one practical thing has happened to your community because that church has been in a community. Chances are you have to get to service because you want to do practical things. You understand how this works? Now, <laughs> If you just in your mind listed, I agree with all of the above, you're way too negative a person. You haven't got a spirit, you just got a a spirit of cynicism. You know, cut us some slack. We're doing the best we can, all right? But the point is that God will very often speak to you through your irritation. But By the way, that's why it's always, always dangerous to come to us with any suggestion because we will immediately put you in charge we we just figure if it's if it's if it's on your nerves God may have called you and gifted you to solve the problem you're talking about so watch out what you complain about here cuz you'll get a job serious business I'm serious about that alright there's the last point oh man I'm over I'm so sorry this just two more three more minutes don't time me Three, three quick scriptures. James 1, 22 through 24. Prove yourselves doer of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Do the next scripture. Genesis 2 23 the man said now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man now here's what I want you to see I want you to see if you're trying to discover your spiritual gifts by yourself you will never do it because even if you come across legitimate knowledge you'll forget what it is you won't operate like that what we need is another who reminds us of our spiritual gift the reason that the man shouted out After going through all the, uh, the animals and not finding a helper suitable for him, he shouted out, because now this is woman who is the other part of me that I needed to realize the first part of me. Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, because she was taken out of me. And you don't have to be married to do this. The same principle operates in the church. That's why we need each other. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and 13, for now we see in a mirror dimly, there's that word again, but then face to face. How do you discover your spiritual gifts? You elbow your way there. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have also been fully known. It's in relationship. Let me tell you this story, and then we'll quit. It's a parable I heard a long time ago. It's never left me. Because it's a parable and a fable, it's a made-up story. It was about this, this one kid who had been born with a unique disability. He could see the whole world for what it was. He was smart as a whip. But for some reason, he couldn't see himself. I mean, he looked down, and he couldn't see his own body. He would look in a mirror, he couldn't see his own reflection. Well, this really bothered him. You can imagine how distracting this was growing up. But he persevered. He was a very accomplished young man, but he was always looking to see if he could catch some sort of glimpse of himself, just to, see, just to see what he looked like. Well, When he was in college, he got invited to a party. He didn't want to go, but he thought maybe, maybe they've got a mirror in their house that'll show me what I look like, because he was always going from mirror to mirror. So he gets to the party. Immediately he asks to go to the bathroom, goes in the bathroom, looks in the mirror, can't see himself. Well, he had just passed a mirror in the hallway, so he went back out to the mirror in the hallway, looked in the mirror, and while he's doing that, he hears this voice of this girl beside him, this soft voice. She said, what are you doing? He just was at a breaking point. He said, I got to tell you, since I've been little, I've never been able to see myself. I mean, I look in a mirror, I can't see what I look like. And she looked at him and said, that must be horrible. He turned to her and he said, it really is. She said, well, what's it feel like? What are you you doing to change the situation? He said, "I I don't know what to do. And they start to talk. And she's genuinely interested in him. And he's starting to become genuinely interested in her. And then he just stops. And he says, well, I'll be. And she said, what? And he said, I can see myself in your eyes. That's how it works. That's why we need each other. Stand and let me pray. Lord, thank you for this word from your word. We ask you to apply it to our minds that we might not grow shallow and to our hearts that we might not grow cold and to our feet that we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. We ask you once again to complete what you began with us in our mother's wombs take us step by step toward the ministry you have for our lives and you have planned through our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for your patience. A couple of things before you leave. Bloodmobile's out here. He gave us his blood so that we could have new life. We give our blood so that others can have new life. the, the light at the, at the dog track has a petition. That's what she's doing out there. She, she emailed me and said, I said, we can't do petitions on church property, but the sidewalk is public property, and let me tell you what the petition is. The petition is to get on the Seminole County a, 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 a law that um, re-registers greyhounds as dogs. They got declassified, watch this, they got declassified, the racetrack people long back, declassified greyhounds from the category of dogs into the category of livestock so they could kill them whenever they needed to. Yeah, and, and, and you can't do that with a dog, but you can do it with livestock. And so, and so the petition would say, we want them to be what they are, dogs, they're dogs. And we want dog tracks all over our state to, be, to report what you've done, done with those dogs after they get done racing. And, and, and how many are injured and so on and so forth. And so that's what the petition is. Um, and so if, if, if you're interested in that kind of effort, which I am, I'm gonna sign it, uh, you can go out and sign it. All right, here, uh, I'm way late, I'm almost 10 minutes late. Prayer team up here, go thou and do what I just said. Amen.